Welcome to CCI Insights, a periodic podcast for CCI members from members, retain resources and staff. We hope you enjoy the latest episode. If you ever have any ideas for future content or people you'd like us to talk to, give us a shout out. Just contact one of the staff at CCIA. Thanks a lot. Enjoy. John and Stephanie, welcome to our final CCIA Insights podcast of the year. You know, it's a a podcast um, for our members, largely from members, but we also want to have other guests that we would find our our members would uh, get some value from. So I thought it'd be good for us to look back just a little bit on this year and then talk a little bit of what's around the corner. But before we do that, as always, we want to get to know our guests a little bit more. And um, we do this with all of our guests. So I think, you know, by now, this is nothing new. Uh, I will start out and confess that I, I don't know if our members realize that uh, I was in the Brownies because my mother was a troop leader. And I have this great story of uh, having to go on a um, one of their field trips to uh, what is now a monastery, but it used to be they held horses up uh, up just a few miles from where I live right now. And I made the mistake, I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but trying to climb an electric fence, didn't know it was electric. Oh my God. I thought, oh, <laughs> look at the great horses. <laughs> you know, I was doing a Shawshank Redemption or whatever you want to call it on the fence or Jurassic Park or whatever that, what happens when that kid goes flying. But it wasn't that bad. My clothes weren't burned, but I can tell you my ego was a little a little bruised. So that's, that's my true <laughs> confession. I was in the brownies. So the brownies worked out for you. Yeah. The brownies worked out for me. Yeah. And it's not even <laughs> legal here yet either. Thank you, Steph. So no yeah. Well, Steph, as long as you're laughing at me, I know you had brought up the other day that you are, are somehow related to some incredible inventor with an awesome name right out of uh, the blues brothers. Did you want to talk about that for a sec? Yeah, actually, since we talked about that, I, I was thinking about it a little bit further and I've got inventors on both sides of the family, both That's my cool. Canadian and my American family. Yeah. So my Canadian um, inventor is my great grandfather. He invented uh, the first grain auger for use in Canada as well awesome. as, as well as the rock picking machine. Or oh, wow. one version of it. I know that's really fancy sounding. Well, hey, that's um, cool, Steph, because, you know, kids actually get paid to pick rocks in Iowa, on Iowa farms. So I'm sure oh. they would have appreciated having a tool for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Farmers would appreciate that for yeah. sure. Yeah. Huge. Wow. So, yeah, he went on to create a, a company that's now a billion dollar company called Brandt Equipment. Yeah. Um, cool. And yeah, so... That's the Canadian side. The U.S. Yeah. American side is the gentleman with the strange name, Elwood Haynes. Yeah. He married my mom's great aunt, and okay. he invented one of the first gasoline-powered engine-run vehicles in the U.S. Uh, that was 1894, I believe. And since that time, he invented Stellite, stainless steel, the muffler, and a thermostat. I don't think it's the thermostat, yeah. but some version thereof. That's amazing. Yeah. That's really cool. So John tells us um, ad nauseum sometimes that he's a part of this uh, 
the Dutch ethnic uh, background, which are on average supposed to be the tallest people in the world, John. That's did true. You, did you take the uh, a test recently, um, like a DNA type of test that is unequivocal, or what did you find out? Well, I don't know if it's unequivocal, <laughs> but uh, well, my daughter got a twenty-three and Me DNA test. She was interested to know where she got her, what her background is, because her mother, uh, my wife Lisa, has a lot of different ethnic background, and I okay, and um, I can trace my forebears back into the Netherlands through the 1500s. So I thought, well, it's, you know, I know what I am. So I took the 23 in me and I got it back and it was like, wow. Um, you know, you find out that your DNA has origins in places that, you know, you find kind of surprising, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So for example, my DNA matches back to uh, Sweden, 40%. So you go and, and I guess that just tells you that, you know, no matter what you think you are, there's, uh, or, you know, whatever background you think your parents right. are, right. Um, you know, with the movement of peoples all over the planet, all over the earth, uh, you know, for, for centuries, uh, you'd be surprised what maybe some of your DNA is from. So, yeah. So it was, I'm a history nut. Right. So I found it pretty interesting. It is pretty cool. My brother did that, which is a proxy for me. So it was fun to read into that. So you're 40% Swedish. That actually, they're supposed to be the happiest, uh, aren't, isn't it the happiest country on the planet, which explains your happy disposition? Thank you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I think that was a bit, was a bit facetious. But that's not all right. at all. No. Not no. at all. Not at all. We don't call you uh, old blue eyes for no, for no reason, John. And, and, Constant cheer. Right. And I, I will not break out into song. So Okay. Oh, thank you. We appreciate that, too. Yes. Well, thank you for sharing a little bit more about yourselves, you know, kind of things we may not talk about at a cocktail party. So I, pre I appreciate you guys doing that. <laughs> We're going to cover federal, state and, you know, what's happening from a from a meetings perspective in this podcast and. I'm going to talk a little bit about federal. John's going to cover state, and we'll, and we'll um, Steph is uh, batting uh, cleanup. On a federal level, I, I want to remind our members that a bipartisan strategy continues to be essential uh, in the Beltway. Uh, Democrats remain hypersensitive about any changes to the CPB, and in fact, I think they'd be looking to absolutely re-embolden that agency, no matter what happens uh, in Congress. Um, we know from the Biden documents, the platform documents, that there's a big focus on access, equity, inclusion, diversity, uh, those types of things. Um, I think predatory lending has a target on its back. So these are themes that are, in a sense, returning, uh, perhaps not as vociferously back following the Great Recession, but th they're on the docket again. Having said all that, heading into um, 2021, I think we're in a good position. We had a really some nice wins this year. I mean, MLA QA2 was gigantic after a two-year fight. And our, our policy advisors at North-South were very instrumental in getting that over the finish line through a couple of key offices. We've avoided all an APR seven times in markup in the House Financial Services Committee. And that count, we hope, will keep going because it'll keep coming up. And then we have Senate co-sponsors for the business of insurance. 
lastly, the uh, national flood insurance program was funded through September of next year, which kind of lets people, um, it, it gives us some continuity and uh, predictability at least for some time now. But going into 2021, we'll, we'll also continue to cultivate those relationships and our policy advisors are critical for that. It, Captain Obvious for a moment here, everyone's eyes are focused on the Senate. Um, if the Dems take the Senate, uh, which would be both seats in Georgia, that might mean the loss of the filibuster, which means any legislation could be passed with a simple majority. There, there is some question as to whether they'd actually do that, but the, uh, the fact that it might be mixed reviews from, from different pundits uh, and insiders tells you it's definitely on, on the docket. Um, if we have a Republican-led uh, Senate, then we do get the benefit of the check and balance with the House uh, being Dem and then a check on the administration. Uh, in a 538 poll this week, we had sent that out to the Federal Affairs Committee on the Georgia race. 538 actually had the both of the Dems slightly ahead of the Republicans, maybe one to two percentage points. However, like many pollsters, they were absolutely wrong in 16 and in 20 by fairly large margins. Now, within that group, the basis for the data, they, they included the Trafalgar group, which in, interestingly called the um, presidential race for Trump back in 2016 and is a bit more bullish on the Republicans taking actually both the seats. Or I think one seat is tied and then the other they have them um, polling about one or two percentage points actually in the other direction. Um, CCIA, many of our members know we invested directly in this race to the Republican uh, Senate Leadership Fund led by McConnell, because from an industry perspective, we need to make sure that we have at least one Republican winning in Georgia for the benefit of our uh, industry. Looking around the corner then, from an outlook perspective, on the legislative side, we're not a top priority right away. Congress is going to be working on the economy, the recovery from COVID-19. I imagine they're going to want to revisit health care. Um, if, if there's a Dem Senate, we're going to be, all NAPR is going to be difficult to overcome. If, if we have Republican Senate, uh, we could still see all, something like all NAPR added to some kind of omnibus bill. Um, we're not confident that uh, we're in the clear. It would really be the, similar to today, but uh, with less of an advantage for the Republicans in the Senate. And people should know, too, that there's a very small contingent, the community development financial institutions, that are actually asking for the military APR. So we have to be mindful of that. And then regulatory-wise, a Republican Senate could, of course, be a moderating force for the agency appointments. Uh, with a Dem Senate, we could have Cordray on steroids, possibly, and I don't want to be all doom and gloom. Uh, we know Leandra English uh, is a leading name, and she actually uh, got booted uh, and sued the, or was almost going to sue the government uh, for essentially getting rid of her um, without following process. But uh, Representative Katie Porter out of California has been named, and there's a few other folks. But I think people know that that. Rep Republican Senate is really key as a check and balance on the House, but also uh, on the appointments. Either way, we're going to continue to advocate for our members out in uh, D.C. with our policy advisors who have been doing a heck of a lot of meetings uh, virtually uh, throughout this year uh, as part of our uh, long uh, long term strategy.
John, maybe you could tell us about the states. I know there's a, a few items you wanted to highlight and then talk about uh, looking around the corner. Yeah. Um, well, looking back, uh, we were pretty fortunate this year that uh, legislatures didn't focus on some of the issues that we were concerned about. And that included, uh, you know, all in APR or possibly a lot of, um, you know, privacy data uh, legislation. Um, you know, as, of course, as you know, the legislators were focused on COVID-19 issues, and we tracked a lot of that for our members and uh, had up on our website a tracking uh, device for that. And a lot of states had moratoriums on um, evictions, uh, repossessions, payment of insurance premiums, uh, knocking down deadlines for claim substantiation by consumers. So obviously a lot of pro-consumer uh, help there uh, during the covid but also, of course, affecting our members, for example, with service contracts, having to deal with with uh, repossessions or those uh, in the mortgage market with evictions. Um, so good news and bad news on, on the legislatures, because we were actually expecting to see a lot more activity that may have uh, may have hit some of the issues that we were concerned about, as well. Insurance departments um, were pretty much focused, as you can imagine, on COVID-19. Uh, but we did note that the departments continued to do their uh, regularly scheduled credit insurance rate reviews, uh, which re resulted in some decreases primarily with credit disability, but there was no particular surprises or, or necessarily any, uh, any drastic actions on that part. Um, and I, do, I did want to bring up uh, one uh, bill that uh, was of great concern. That was California AB 1436 that um, would have done a tremendous amount of like, damage to, especially in the mortgage market, this would have required mortgage services to provide 360 days forbearance for, for borrowers who claim that they had uh, hardship due to COVID-19. Um, so this could have resulted in uh, mortgage companies uh, not receiving any, any payments for a year or more from, uh, from consumers. So we saw that bill did not did not pass and not go down. So as liberal as California is, uh, that bill uh, didn't go. In terms of like the outlook going forward, um, and, and I think we look at the elections. Um, you know, we expect that we are going to see some some actions or their bills on an all in APR in some of the states. Um, Nebraska had a a ballot initiative that actually uh, resulted in a 36% all PR on small loans. So that that particular type of uh, device uh, ballot initiatives is is always going to be out there. But in terms of the legislatures and the state houses, uh, there's really not going to be a change uh, much in uh, political control in the state legislatures and governorships going forward in the 2020 elections. Um, of course, uh, Mr. Biden won the presidency, but he didn't have much of a coattail when it came to the state houses. Um, you see the polls indicated that there could be some big Democrat state increases, maybe some tsunamis of Democratic um, gains. In fact, if there was any gain in the re state houses, it was the Republicans, which actually increased the number of states where they control both the state legislature and the governorship, they went from 21 to 24 states for 2020, leaving the Democrats in control in 
15 states, again, where they can control the state legislature and the governorship. So that leaves 11 states with divided legislatures. So that bodes well. We're going forward, perhaps maintaining more of a status quo when it comes to dealing with legislatures trying to address some of the issues that they might have with our lending industry and our insurance industry. Finally, for, you know, we look at state commissioners. Um, some of you may not know, only 12 state commissioners are elected positions. Um, California is one, and I won't go through all the states, but there were five of the 12 elected positions up on the ballot in 2020, and all the four incumbents were retained. And in Montana, the Republican who retired was replaced by a Republican. So I think there, too, we see little party control or changes in uh, the governorships and also, of course, in elected uh, uh, commissioners. So hopefully we won't see any radicalized changes being proposed by state and commissioners. And, you know, Tom, you can jump in here, too. But perhaps one indication of that is that uh, the NAIC was uh, considering um, a proposal, uh, mostly uh, driven, I think, by Bernie Birnbaum of CEJ, to have all transactional insurance data sent to the NAIC for slicing and dicing. Uh, and that would have been uh, not only a process problem, but uh, would have possibly opened up a Pandora's box of problems with the, uh, with the state and commissioners. So that did not happen. Um, so hopefully uh, that won't resurrect itself this year, but yeah. It, let me yeah. jump in too, John. You're right. And it, it didn't happen this year. It did actually get deferred to the next meeting of the D committee that oversees these kinds of market conduct types of things. But you're absolutely right. It's a significant paradigm shift. It's way outside the scope of the market conduct annual statement process, which is driven by aggregate data. And it's tantamount to a market conduct exam annually from a digital perspective. One of the other items I add to that is that the NEIC has a significant initiative, a significant initiative, I'll say that twice, on race and insurance and how unfair discrimination might manifest in various parts of uh, the insurance industry, whether that's the NEIC itself, the regulators, um, industry, meaning the companies and agents, along with the lines of business and how sales and marketing and claims and all those processes in Life and NH and PNC are conducted. And I think one of the key themes our members should take away from that is that there is a desire or at a minimum, the consumer groups are using race and insurance, that initiative as a vehicle for increased data collection, which explains the CEJ's recent requests for transaction level data. The other item I'd add, as long as, John, we're talking about NEIC, is our, many of our members know that the Lender Place Insurance Model Act was approved by the Property and Casualty uh, Committee, and that should be approved by the Executive Committee and Plenary as an actual model uh, at, at the spring meeting and would become available uh, thereafter for legislatures to adopt it for, let's say, the 2022 cycle. John, what other, what other thoughts did you have from a state's well, perspective? Well, I don't think uh, more of just, I guess, a general statement that I thought we actually had a pretty good year this year, I think considering. So, yeah. um, you know, we look yeah. forward to next year um, having uh, similar success um, with our members and with their issues. So um, let's hope for it. Yeah. Well, th yeah, no kidding. And thanks for your efforts uh, to that end. It was nice to see any uh, CCIA be able to pivot 
uh, into a heavy activity on the regulatory front as a result of uh, COVID-19. So Steph, coming to you, we had a really interesting year here with our meetings, uh, whether, yeah, virtual, canceled, uh, deferred, rescheduled. Uh, we went virtual with the symposium, which I thought came off well. And again, thank you for your efforts there with uh, project management and driving that thing uh, to fruition in the fall. Uh, we, well, and members might not remember, we had a nice set of meetings back, way, 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 way back in in Las Vegas um, as well. So as you look at kind of what's coming up, Steph, what are some types of things you want to touch on with our uh, members as long as you have them? Well, uh, before we get into meetings, I'll just get the, the business part of this out of the way. The, yeah. um, the January, I guess, is the start of our renewal season for association membership. We send out our renewal invoices and the member value recap from 2020, uh, mid-month. So right. CCIA representatives um, at our member companies can expect to see that around the middle of the month. Okay. And then at the end of January, we'll send out the 2020 lobbying expense memo that I know everybody is really, really <laughs> waiting for and excited about. <laughs> Well, the finance people want yes, it. Yes, they sure do. The, yep, yeah, they're the ones. So as we um, go back to discuss meetings, I, I still can't believe that we're sitting here in December talking about going virtual potentially for at least the first set of meetings, um, mm -hmm. the winter meetings coming up. I never would have, I, I would have laughed at you if you told me back in right. April when this first came up that we'd be doing this, but um, right. But the way it is, is we'll have to do uh, virtual for the committee meetings. Um, I believe you said Lender Placed is going to meet January 5th or the 6th, not yet determined. Right. right. And then the rest of the committees will meet the first and second weeks of February. So I, I guess we'll fine tune and send out information mm -hmm. as it becomes available so folks can look forward to that. And beyond that, we have St. Augustine, hopefully for the annual meeting at the end of April, April 26th to the 28th. And, you know, as of right now, we're looking forward to it and we, we think it's going to happen, but, uh, you know, we'll take, uh, take it one week at a time to see what happens with vaccinations and, and member travel. Right. So, and then if we don't meet in St. Augustine, we throw all our hope into Chicago in July and hope for that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If we don't meet in, in Florida, I think people are going to be um, climbing the walls to, to get out to a productive meeting. Oh, yes. So, and that's the latter part of Chicago, uh, July, right? The 26th, yeah, I think, so, 28th, same yep, dates kind of? Yeah. Same days. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Great. Well, Steph, we appreciate all your efforts. I know, I know it's been a really strange year here, um, but appreciate all the work that you've done to flex and deal with all these uh, contracts as well. So people need to know all that stuff goes on behind the scenes. If we don't hold, hold a meeting, we have to actually spend resources getting out of it. Uh, yeah. And in the case of annual meeting, being able to defer it to 2021, I think it was a great solution. Yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to go to St. Augustine and celebrate. 
Well, amazingly, this we're at our time. Uh, th- this time goes so fast when you get on the podcast. It, it's it's fun because it it does go fast. But you do uh, the downside is you'd love to be able to be talking more. But of course, we want to package this up into a nice soundbite for our members. I did want to thank all of our members. We we don't take your membership for granted. We know renewal season is a, is upon you and us. Thank you for your financial support and equally the engagement throughout the year when we call members or contact them. We have a project. We've got so many members that step up and contribute and make sure that we're engaging in quality advocacy and or we're getting some insights back to other members to help them run their business. So thank you all for that. Also want to thank John, you and Stephanie for all your efforts this year and in past years. But in particular, this was a a very dynamic year. Uh, We, like many businesses, um, we saw a lot of change but one of the constants is just focusing on delivering you know quality services to our members so both of you thank you so much for your commitment to that and doing a great job this year thanks our pleasure i'm thinking it's yours i'm not sure about i'm not because he's on mute again (laughs) okay my pleasure in any event yeah thank you steph um Thank you for joining the call this afternoon and uh, everybody out there, our members have a safe and happy holiday season. Talk to you later. Thank you. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this latest episode of the CCIA insights podcast. Again, if you have ideas, please send them our way and be sure to share this with your team. Thank you.